was late 1800s, mid-1800s, Minsk or Pinsk, somewhere in Eastern Europe. And there were these 12 Jewish men. And they would get together week in and week out, and they would go to a pub. And they would have the same conversation every single week. They would talk about Jerusalem. They would talk about what this place was like, and it became almost like a ritual for them. And they knew everything about it from their discussions. They knew what the cuisine was like, the culture. This place they described, it was perfection. And then Burl, he always sat in the corner, one of the Jewish men, he raises his hand, he stands up, he goes, guys, why don't we just get up and go there? And if it's like how we describe it, we'll stay. And if it's not, we'll stay. And then we'll make it how we like it. They go, Burl, it's too hard, sit down. So Burl would sit down and they would continue. Now these men, they were very sophisticated. Even in this small town, they had non-Jewish friends. And they invited one of their non-Jewish friends one evening, and he's listening to them go on and on about Jerusalem, and it's getting late. And he gets up to leave, and they say, wait, before you go, can we ask you a question? I go, sure, ask me a question. Well, what we want to know, what do you think of us? What do I think of you? I mean, you? No, 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 what do you, what do you think of us, the Jews? Oh, the Jews? He goes, I think you guys are great. You're sweet. You're thoughtful. There's, there's just one thing. They go, there's one thing? He goes, yes, there's only one thing. They go, well, what's the one thing? He goes, well, you all think you're morally superior to everyone else, and I just don't get it, and I find it really annoying. And they look at each other, and they shake their heads. They go, well, yeah, we kind of do. But it's late, and we don't have time to tell you why, but you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll show you by example why we think that. So you non-Jews, you have guns, and you hunt. Us Jews, we don't hunt. He looks at them, he goes, you got to be kidding me. You don't even have guns because we won't give them to you. And he storms out. Now at that point, they all look over at Burl sitting in the corner. And they go, you know something, you're right. We need to pack our bags and we need to go build this country and show that we won't hunt. That is what Zionism is. That's what the goal of the establishment of the state of Israel was. It was this goal of setting out to create a land and a society that was a light unto the nations, a place that would seek justice and equality. And the reason why I love the story, and the first time I heard the story was from Leonard Fine of Blessed Memory. I was in El Salvador, and it was the end of the week, and he was our scholar in residence. And he told us the story in the dark. And the reason why I loved the story is because it's a very challenging story to hear. Because when we think of Israel today, and we think about what those early Zionists set out to accomplish, in many respects, they have not accomplished what they set out to do. On the other hand, in many respects, it's unbelievable how close they have come and what they've accomplished in this short amount of time. They have created a utopia in some regions, in the same region where ISIS is thriving, where it's illegal, it's illegal under Hamas to be gay in the Gaza Strip. 
Now, why do I share this with you tonight? Because this, it's a complex narrative. And it is the truth. And there are times throughout human history when the truth can rattle a person's shaky belief system. And what we have seen this week and throughout human history is that when the truth shakes one's belief, oftentimes, the fearful, they try to silence the truth rather than change their beliefs. Let me explain. Earlier this week, we saw this ugly tendency flare up again, where the hatred of fear tried to quiet the truth because it countered an established narrative. In Chicago, one week ago tonight on Shabbat, the National LGBTQ Task Force for Creating Change conference was shut down by over 200 protesters. The conference had invited Jerusalem Open House and a wider bridge. Both organizations that protect and foster the minority rights of the LGBTQ community in Israel. Now, before I get into what happened, let me tell you about a wider bridge and Jerusalem Open House, who they are, and why these two organizations are so frightening. A wider bridge is an organization that builds bridges between North America and Israel to spread their values of pluralism, where they're open to a wide range of political perspectives and religious views. And they actively promote the welcoming and inclusion of all peoples, Arabs and Jews, of all sexualities and gender identities, with the goal of building a world in which the lives of all people are celebrated. Now I know, this is pretty scary stuff. Now you want to hear of a more threatening organization? Enter Jerusalem Open House. They provide direct services to all LGBTQ individuals in Jerusalem and its surrounding communities while working to secure LGBTQ rights in Israeli society at large. Their constituency transcends political, ethnic, and religious boundaries to build and unite a community in pursuit of the common goal of tolerance and mutual support. Now I know what you're thinking. How can this be threatening? The only group that I can imagine trying to shut this group down is an extremist group that is opposed to these minorities, opposed to LGBT issues. Possible. But that is not who silenced them from speaking. The group that silenced them was the Boycott, Divest, and Sanctions Movement, also known as the BDS Movement. The protesters, they took over the Hilton Hotel, they interrupted the conference, they jammed the hallways, they forced Jews out of the room where they were celebrating Shabbat, and they prevented the people from a wider bridge in a Jerusalem open house from speaking. Why? Why would you do something like this? Now, I can tell you the main answer that has been swirling around the internet from the Washington Post, from the Huffington Post, and from Slate is summarized in a single word, anti-Semitism. Now, maybe it's possible. It, there is anti-Semitism there. If you see the video, and if you haven't seen the video, go to a Wider Bridges website and look at the video. 
it's hard not to see the anti-Semitism. But there's something about such a simple answer that just doesn't sit well with me. Let me explain. They took over the conference because they're protesting that Israel discriminates against minorities. They carried sign that said, don't allow this group to pinkwash what is happening. Pinkwash. I had no idea what that word meant a week ago. Pinkwashing is the argument that you cannot talk about what Israel does for a minority group because it overshadows the true atrocities of what Israel does. Now, I want to be clear. I am not standing here tonight, and I'm not arguing that what Israel does is perfect. It's far from it. There are parts of Israel that need a tremendous amount of work. And there are other parts where you see the founder's mission of bringing light and justice to the world being carried out in the only country in the entire Middle East. I think a more appropriate way to say it is that this group did not want to hear about what Israel does for this minority group in Israel because it goes against their narrative. It shakes the very foundation of their beliefs. And when the truth shakes your beliefs, a common human reaction is to silence the truth. Now, this is not the first time we've seen this in human history. Let's talk about Galileo. Galileo, one of the most celebrated scientists in the history of the world. And when Galileo was born in the 1600s, he was born into a world with a very common set of beliefs, that we were the center of the universe. But then he got a new telescope, and he started looking out to space. And he looked at Venus, and then he looked at the moons off of Jupiter, and he realized that he had to look away from the Earth to understand the Earth. And he said, you know something, Copernicus? He was right in the 1500s. This is not the center. And this shook the foundations of the Catholic Church. And they told him, shh, silence. By 1616, they banned his book. They told him he couldn't teach. So Galileo wrote another book. Three years later, and he writes about the tides. And he goes, the moon, that's what's causing the tides. Shh. So three years later, he writes about comets getting pulled in by our gravity. Shh. By 1633, the church could not take it anymore. He wouldn't be quiet. So they put him in jail. They imprisoned him for nine years until he died. The truth can be very frightening. And when it frightens people, for generations upon generations, the fearful have tried to silence the truthful. That, right there, that's what we saw in Chicago. The same group which argues that they are pro-LGBT are supporting Hamas, an organization whose policies say that it is illegal to be gay in the Gaza Strip. So how does a person who is gay protest on behalf of Hamas when who you are is illegal to be there? How do you deal with that dissonance? You don't. You try to silence it because it shakes your worldview. 
And that can be terribly frightening. Just as frightening as Galileo was when he showed us that we had to look away from our planet to understand who we really were. Israel is not perfect, but it is reaching for perfection. And figuring it out, just like those men did from Minsk as they headed to Israel to build their dream, instead of just fantasize about it. Now tonight, we're blessed to have one of those two presenters who were silenced a week ago tonight with us, who are helping the Jewish people to stumble a little bit closer to the truth, as scary as it may be for others in our world to hear. And while others tried to silence them, Emmanuel is here for the purpose of giving them a voice. Rabbi Rodich and Rabbi Mintz met last night with them to hear their stories. Now, one of the speakers who's sick from Jerusalem Open House is Sarah, an Israeli Mizrahi woman, a Jew from an Arab lands, who grew up in a traditionally religious household. Now, the other speaker who's here tonight is Tom, a gay Ashkenazi Israeli who, before working for Jerusalem Open House, he spent his time as a peace activist, bringing Israelis and Palestinians together. That, that's the truth. Now, the work they do, it's not easy. It's complex. It challenges one views. But it's when we shine emes, when we shine the truth into the world, that that light that we shine, it often scares people who refuse to come out of the dark. But that doesn't stop us. It never has stopped us, and it never will stop us. We are a people we're not aiming for a world as it is. We're a people who are aiming for a world as it ought to be. A world of perfection and a world of peace. That is why one of the final parts of the service, how we close up every single service, is with the Elenu and with the Kaddish. Both the Elenu and the Kaddish, they don't talk about this world. They don't talk about the world as it is. It talks about how we dream of what the world could be. So it's my honor to invite Tom to lead us tonight in the Elena. To lead us as we pray and we meditate as a community on how we want the world to be. As we continue to shine light and truth, even when others try to silence us. Please rise.